0: Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on today's episode, Adam Burrish and I dive into game two, the overtime defeat for the Chicago Blackhawks in a much better second outing against the Vegas Golden Knights. We look at Patrick Kane's historic three point night, the performance of Corey Crawford, and looking ahead to the weekend's doubleheader games three and four on Saturday and Sunday. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive.
1: It's showtime. In the playoffs, it's win or go home. With Chevy, it's win and go home. In a new Chevy car, truck, or SUV. Check out shop, click, and drive at your local Chevy dealer. Shop online 24-7 and take delivery at home. It's simple, it's safe, it's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive. Buy it, try it, buy it, whatever it takes. Your local Chevy dealers, proud sponsors of the Chicago Blackhawks. I've been fortunate to play on some amazing teams and uh, I guess... When you have some deep runs in the playoffs, you're going to have the chance to uh, to put up numbers and points when you're an offensive guy. So uh, appreciate those teams I've been on, um, trying to do the same thing here with this team. I think we got a good group. I think we've proved it all year when we've been in tough situations, faced some adversity, that we're able to come back and we're able to work our work our way out of it. So this is a team that isn't going to give up. And um, you know, I think we're in a situation here where we're coming into. A day off and then a back-to-back situation and uh, we feel we got a
0: young team with uh, with some fresh legs, so hopefully that can uh, be used to our advantage. Welcome into Blackhawks insider Carter Baum. Adam Burrish here following a Game 2 overtime defeat for the Chicago Blackhawks against the Vegas Golden Knights, a 4-3 final in this one. Uh, Burr, we talked a lot after Game 1, just about what Chicago needed to do coming into Game Two, and you know, despite the scoreline, it was a much better all-around game for Chicago. Uh, a big kind of comeback in the second period, you force overtime, and uh, you know, all in all, it was a, it was a good step for them. Uh, and I think if they can continue to make that next step going forward, it could be a really interesting Game Three. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Just general thoughts before we dive into what was Game Two.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Coach Carter and Coach Adam after game <laughs> after Game One. You and I talked about how, um, you know, we both kind of thought that they they tiptoed around the game a little bit in game one. They kind of tried to ease into it, and both teams did period one for sure, and then period two, Vegas kind of stepped up a bit, and they stepped their game up, and they started pushing the pace and getting a little faster, and um, the Hawks didn't feel like they ever wanted to counterpunch, and they kind of felt like they had to sit back and, um, I know after game one, you heard you and I talked about the comments that we heard where the guys had said, you know, we still need to be good defensively, stay above the puck, but we also need to play. And we got to get out there and play fast and, and create some chances. And I thought they, they were better that way. They, it, it felt like neither team actually felt like they were just going to sit back and both teams transitioned better. The Hawks transitioned better. They defended. I thought they defended OK uh, against a tough Vegas team. Um, but they transitioned better the Hawks they didn't you know it wasn't just all defense and or or that kind of mindset but they wanted to attack and the difference to me tonight from game one why it went overtime was when the Hawks had their chances they jumped on them and they converted and they scored where in game one they didn't have a whole lot of chances and when they did they didn't score but tonight the chances they had they're good chances Um, they converted and as I'm sure we'll talk about Patrick Kane had the best game of the playoffs for himself so far
0: Incredible game for Patrick Kane. Three assists. We will absolutely get to him in just a minute. I do have to say, you know, we discussed at the end of the last show how we usually record these the morning after the game. Uh, you know, kind of let things settle down. Yeah. Um, wake up first thing and go. But you know, one of the beauty, beautiful things about this afternoon game today on a Thursday, a 4.30 puck drop, you know, it's, it's only 9.30 at night. We're sitting here. Uh, I have a nice little glass of wine. I, I think you have one as well in front of I you. Do. We're going to just – we're gonna have some fun and dive into this one. So, uh, a couple changes for the Blackhawks. I want to get into, and I know we talked. You talked about the finishing the chances, and it was very interesting to see coming out in this one, especially with the forward units. Some jumbling within the bottom nine, uh, the bottom three lines for Jeremy Colleton. You kind of you you move Drake Kajula up to the second line with Kirby Doc and Patrick Kane. You have the third line. You reunite uh, Alex DeBrinket and Dylan Strom together. You put. Matthew Highmore there with him. You put Alex Nealander down on the fourth line with uh, David Camp and Ryan Carpenter, and I think for the most part, even and there were some even line changes going on as the game went along. But even that little mix, I, I think, worked right away for the Blackhawks. The opening ten minutes, they had more offensive chances. I wouldn't say they dominated the game, but it was a very evenly matched game for the opening 10 minutes, and then Vegas was able to find two quick strikes kind of going the other way on the counter. Uh, and so at the first intermission, it's a 2 nothing hole, but all in all, it was a pretty solid first period for the Blackhawks.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. I um, When you play the Vegas Golden Knights and if you listen uh, to the television or you read the, the, the hockey news about them, Everybody talks about how they play four lines and they're a deep team. All four lines play decent minutes. Even their fourth line plays decent minutes always. Um, and it's a hard matchup. You know, if you there's a really cool documentary. Not you know, we want to talk Blackhawks here, but there's a really cool documentary out uh, on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, about their first year in expansion. And there was an interesting comment that somebody had made with this team is that because of the expansion draft, they were able to pick you know, uh, X amount of players from each team that teams wanted to expose. And it was generally a lot of second and third line players. And they've kind of built their team that way about, uh, around a bunch of second and third line players. So when you think about it, teams have four lines and you have a first line and a fourth line and, and, you know, a third to fourth line where this team has a kind of a full team of second liners is what this team had. So it's a tough matchup uh, across the NHL for this Vegas team. That's why they've gone so deep in the playoffs, I think, every year is because, they may not have the big superstar name. They're starting to get some now um, that you've heard of, but they've got a lot of really high end second line guys that they, that they trot out there. And then they, they do have a, a, a real fourth line. Uh, You know, Ryan Reeves is a fourth line guy. He's, he's tough as nails and plays his tail off and he can still play the game. Um, But they have a fourth line, but it's a fourth line that can play and they can handle the puck and they can make plays and they can score and they're heavy. So, Teams that do well against the Knights, they have four lines also. And I think Jeremy knew that. He knew that he had to balance his lineup out. He did that. He put some skill on his fourth line. He still has some grit with Carpenter there. He puts Nylander there with some skill. Um, You bump high high more up to the third line because he scores, you know, he's been scoring some goals. You you figure, I got to get this guy a little more time right now because he seems to be hot. Um, And then your top two lines are just even and balanced. You know, you're going to play them big minutes against some big teams. Uh, the thing they did better tonight than game one across the lineup is they transitioned better. This is the Vegas Golden Knights team. When you play a team that's going to go up and down and transition, and uh, you have to counter punch, and you know they're going to send guys up the ice. If they turn the puck over, whenever you can create a turnover, you got to go the other way fast. That's how you get your scoring chances against this team. And I thought the Hawks did better that uh, at that tonight. And I think part of that was because they could keep playing four lines. You got to stay fresh, you got to play fast. And they did that a lot, lot better tonight
0: picked off and here come the hawks doc gets into the zone kane looking for the to behind his shot came back he tried again does it rebound The score kirby doc picked up the second opportunity and the hawks have cut the lead in half hawks through the middle of the ice the opportunity kane finds the Han shot block he
1: stays with it kirby's hanging around the net what we talk about in the open second and third chance opportunities
0: you mentioned the transition game and A three-goal third period from the Blackhawks, all three goals in transition. It starts early with Kirby Dock, you know, kind of sitting at the side of the cage. Calvin DeHaan has his shot blocked from the point, follows up his own rebound, Uh, goes right off Robin Leonard's pad to Kirby Dock. First uh, NHL playoff goal, a cool moment for him early. And then a couple minutes later, you have a power play. Patrick Kane leaves it for the trailer. Dominic Kubelik coming into the zone. He puts a shot uh, just under the bar, I think, uh, uh, for another goal. A 2-2 game there. Vegas counterpunches back. It's a 3-2 game. And then right before the end of the period, you know, I, I alluded to it, but uh, you get Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strom, and Patrick Kane out there for one shift together. Uh, the line that everyone was talking about through training yeah. camp and just some of the chemistry that they had. First time together in the game, they go out and put together just a beautiful goal. It's Alex Dabrinkit bringing it in on the left wall. Goes cross ice to Patrick Kane on the right wall and uh, basically a a no-look pass finds Dylan Strome backdoor for a nice little tap in a 3-3 game with just seconds left on the clock in the second period. And I think really that middle frame set the tempo for the Blackhawks and really kind of gave them a lot of confidence. You know, they played well in the first, they didn't have the scoreline to show for it, but that second period, you could tell they were really starting to feel themselves by the end of it.
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, I love the line of Strom to Brinkett and Kane. And I know those guys love playing together. I know at times as a player, you're like, coach, get us out there together every shift. And we don't ever split us up. And um, I know that's how those guys feel. And and when you get together and you get that matchup and those lines together that the the guys you want to play with, you kind of want, always want to show the coach, Hey, see, see what you see, what see how we like to play together and what we can do out there. And um, they have chemistry. They like being out there together. And, uh, Kaner was feeling it tonight you could just kind of tell he it was important to him and and to, to contribute uh, offensively he put so much pressure on himself uh, thinking he's got to score every night he's got to put points up and when he's not scoring goals it frustrates him and I know you know the media has asked him about that like you know you you won round one but you you didn't exactly you know have 500 points in round one like works ex- like everybody expects him to have but he he was actually really good in round one he he was actually really really good he was the decisions he made with the puck, the way he defended, the way he played a two-way game was, was, I think was underappreciated. I thought he was really good in round one. He just didn't you know, score a bunch of goals, but he had points. Um, but tonight you could just kind of sense that uh, he had kind of said, Hey, if we're going to hang around in this series, if we're going to have a chance, I'm going to have to produce. And I'm going to have to make guys around me it, it better and put some points up. And you, it was almost one of those games where he said, all right, I'm going to have to win this one for us if we're going to win it or keep us close. And and that's what he did. He had a, he had a really special game. Around the board. Here comes Strong. Strong looking for the break and he comes across for Kane the backhand center. Oh, what a pass. Patrick Kane gave Dylan Strong a tap what a beautiful backhand feed. Two good passes on that rush and the Hawks are even.
0: You mentioned it, you know, maybe a slower first round at least in point production than yep. um, you want to see from Patrick Kane but I mean you've seen it firsthand he's a guy who gets hot as the playoffs go along he he kind of starts slow yeah. and builds his confidence and then by the third or fourth round you don't want to go against that guy I mean we're we sitting here talking about what is really kind of a, a slow maybe first round for Patrick Kane or uh, I guess playing around because it's technically the first round but He still had four points in four games. You know, that's a point-per-game player right there. Uh, But it just goes to speak to his – how lethal he is, especially in the later rounds of the playoffs. And as he builds that confidence, you do not want to face him.
1: Yeah, you're dead on. I I almost think just from playing with him and seeing him and watching him a lot in playoffs, I I almost – and I don't know this, um, but I almost feel like these superstar kind of players – they figure out the way the game's going to be played, the series is going to be played and how the matchups are going to happen, who they're going to be out there against. And they watch tape, they watch film and where they can find open ice or where they can find players or they'll go back and watch power plays and say, okay, I, I get the puck in this situation a lot or in this area a lot. And here's what seems to be open. And here's what I missed last game. And, I think with Kaner, he's such a smart player and he's he's in such control out there with with the game and the pace and the play and the, the puck on his stick that as series goes on, he always tends to get better and better and better because he kind of breaks you down and he figures out where your weaknesses are and who he's out there against and what this guy's tendency is and where the open ice might be on the power play and five on five where he finds himself a lot and then what the correct play is there. I mean, I, I've said it for a couple of years now is when you watch him, the thing I appreciate most about watching him is when the puck's on his stick, watch how many times he just makes the right play and the puck doesn't get turned over. It doesn't go to the other team. If he dumps the puck in to get rid of it, it's for a line change. It ends up in the right spot. It's a dump. So as one of his teammates can get it, but when he touches the puck, it usually ends up on somebody else on his team stick. Uh, and it's pretty incredible. I, I know there's some stats out there that, is, that, that go over that, the, you know, the, the time, the possession time. And he's always right at the top of the league with possession. Who's got the puck on their stick. And then what happens after it leaves your stick. Um, so I think that's why you're going to see, you'll, I, I'm certain of it. We'll see it the next two games too, is that he's going to continue to find ways to break this Vegas team down and get points and set players up on his team because he, he seems to to figure that out. And I wish I could talk about it more, but I wasn't that good Carter. I couldn't figure anybody out out there. I was, um, I could figure out a good seat on the bench though.
0: I know that. Hey, you had a front row seat to all of it. You mentioned what for happens free. when the puck for free. Here you go. Uh, we're sitting here having to pay for it. You know the fans are, and you got the you had the best seat in the house right there, front row to see uh, a couple Hall of Famers right there That's in front of you. Good. But you, no, you contributed. Don't don't show, sell yourself short there. Uh, you you touched on it. What happens when the puck leaves his stick? Well, tonight. The, more often than not, it left a stick and ended up in the back of the net. A pair of primary assists on those last two goals uh, we touched on it. a three-point night. And with three points, uh, I want to read off this stat to you, Bar, and just kind of read off some of these names. Yep. Um, Patrick Kane moved into sole possession of third place in franchise history for all-time playoff scoring. He now has 130 playoff points uh, in his career. He surpassed Bobby Hull. And now trails only Stan Makita, who has 150, and his first coach, Dennis Savard, with 145. He's 15 and 20 points behind them, respectively, and wow. uh, just continues to put his name, a future Hall of Fame name, up amongst and surpass so many Hall of Famers uh, in Blackhawks history.
1: Wow. I, I don't. Do you want to comment? Because I don't have one.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, wow is all <laughs> you can really that? say like, about wow, that. I mean, yeah. It, it, it just it, kind of continues to them, them, show, right? I mean, he's, he's going to pass them,
1: them guaranteed. You know, now the, the, the conversation is going to be, is he the, is he the next conversation has, to, is going to be, is he the best Blackhawk ever, right? That's what's coming, mm-hmm. um, down the road. But yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, it's incredible. It, it's in, and it, the, here's the weird part to me is that he's not, he's not slowing down yet. Like he's getting better. He's getting better and better and better. No. Um, you could say the same thing about Taves too. I mean, two years ago, people were like ah, oh, these guys are slowing down. Well, what you pissed them off by saying that whoever you whoever said that about them pissed them off because they're both getting better. This is to me this year they were better than they than they were three years ago, and Kane Kane especially um, is uh, he's a better player now than he was a year ago, and he keeps getting better every year. It's it, what what those guys and those two guys in particular are doing. And the way they're playing, and the level they're playing at, um, it's incredible. But for you know, to Caner to keep to jump that list, I think we all kind of knew it was a matter of time before he did. Um, but it's still pretty neat.
0: I'm gonna maybe take this on a little bit of a tangent because I think it's a little relevant. The there's a conversation out there with how the Pittsburgh Penguins were eliminated by another 12 seed in Montreal. Uh, but the conversation is kind of the window for that team is closing. And Jim Rutherford had some very strong comments after. Uh, his team got eliminated. You have a guy like Sidney Crosby, still an all-world player, but I feel like there's more conversation around the window closing for Sidney Crosby and what the Penguins can do. Patrick Kane's only a year younger than Sidney Crosby, and you mentioned it, continues to get better with age and continues to set more and more records. And you know, the window closing is a, is a big, broad term that maybe gets painted, but I don't feel like it really applies to someone like Patrick Kane. And even Jonathan Taves, who continues to refine his game uh and has such an impact in as, as a two-way player and we've seen it in the last few games in this postseason where he steps up too when the time is right or when he needs to step up he, he's a big force for this roster
1: yeah i don't I, I don't buy that either that the penguins window is closing just like i wouldn't buy the blackhawks window is closing i, I Melkin and Crosby are two guys that can completely change a game in a second. They can win you a series by themselves. You know, I, their back end is getting older. So is, the, you know, you could argue so is the Blackhawks' back end is getting old. It just happens. But, you know, watch Duncan Keith. Does he, look, does he look like he can't play 30 minutes? I don't think so. You know, does he look like he can't go out and shut down Connor McDavid? Well, he did. Um, you know, uh, Connor is still going to put up big points and big numbers. We know that, but he can match up. It's it's not an issue. So, um is the window closed? No, I don't. I just I don't think it is. I think it's you. You have to expect that some younger guys are going to step up um, and contribute, and you're going to put the right pieces in there, and you, you you have your top couple lines that are set, but your third and fourth lines, you have to hope they mature as a year goes on, and they can develop as a year goes on, and can chip in offensively and play solid defensively and contribute on your penalty kill and have a good second power play that can produce some goals throughout the year. There's a lot of little things that go into, you know, this, this window of, of winning Stanley cups. And um, if you've got your kind of core guys, which every team does now, and you know, the Blackhawks have their core guys that are still in their prime, which I, I, they are, I mean, look at their numbers, look at their stats. They're still in their prime. Now you just hope the guys around them, can kind of find their roles and find their niche and figure out where they are and um that's that that's what will give you a chance to win another stanley cup and um so as long as your core guys um are still in that window and still in their prime which kane and taves and keith are you got a chance you got a chance when you've got some superstars and so you know not to not to talk about the the, the penguins here, but are, they still have a chance with Crosby and Malkin, Latang, and, and a good goaltender. So uh, those are I I don't I don't need to we don't you and I don't need to get into those debates here,
0: Carter. No 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 we uh <laughs> we talked to Oli Mata early before the season even started. I I would be interested to kind of hear from him. You know he <laughs> he's played with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And now he comes to a Blackhawks team with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And I mean, he's had a, you talk about having a front row seat to some awesome players, Burr. I mean, Ole Mata's sharing the ice with uh, a couple of legends there as well. But, well, I will uh, say
1: Crosby, Melkin, throughout the course of their career, they have uh, taken, you could say like taken more of a beating or they've taken more hits. And both of those guys, you know, Melkin has missed, you know, time with injuries. Crosby's obviously had injuries. So, You know, Kaner, if there's one leg up, it's that Kaner stayed pretty healthy throughout his career. And as of the last, you know, three or four years, Taves has been really healthy, too, and um, seems to be getting fresher. So, um, you know, it's something to consider, too, is is those guys have the last couple of years. um, You know, their bodies are are, are getting hit and getting banged up like everybody's are. But it's been pretty impressive to see, especially, you know, Kane and Taves playing and Keith playing all the playoff games that they have. It's hard and it's hard on your body and it's hard physically this year. This playoffs right here is going to take a toll on all these guys' bodies. And this is, this is, this is tough. This is tough on guys' bodies playing like this every other day at this level with really minimal training. Um, this is going to take a toll on guys' bodies. Um, but for the last three or four years, um, the, the Hawks, maybe, you know, missing the playoffs a few years, a little more time rested. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but you know, our core guys, they seem to still be pretty healthy.
0: You mentioned Duncan Keith, and he's probably the pinnacle of longevity. Just playing so many minutes, game after game. He went two and a half years without missing a game. He missed just a handful of games this season uh, with with a small injury. But uh, he had a, you know, for the first time this postseason. Uh, Jeremy Colleton kind of switched things up on the defensive end. He decided to sit Adam Boquist tonight, got Lucas Carlson in the lineup. Lucas Carlson had six NHL games under his belt in the regular season, played every single one of those with Connor Murphy paired alongside Connor Murphy because Calvin DeHaan was out at the time. Uh, and so you switch up the defensive pairs a little bit. Calvin DeHaan moves up, uh, alongside Duncan Keith on the top pairing. Connor Murphy paired with Lucas Carlson to kind of continue to take him under his wing and build on that partnership. What did you think of some of the defensive pairings tonight? I think it seemed to free up Duncan Keith to jump into the offense a little more. He's maybe not covering as much for Adam Boquist, who has uh, a very important role in that sense as well. But, uh, I mean, Calvin DeHaan played the shutdown role on that pairing. He blocked uh, six shots tonight, uh, led the Blackhawks in, in shot blocks with... Six alongside uh, Duncan Keith, who's a defensive beast on his own.
1: I was surprised, um, kind of seeing the lineup when it came out. Um, they were sitting focused a little bit, um, just because if, if you're going to put him back in, what you know, young. I, you see with a lot of young guys, like what is, how does that affect his confidence? You hope that you know, you yeah, you, you got to be tough kid, and you got to you got to trust yourself, and you got to feel good about your game, and you got to throw it out and come back when you get your opportunity. But I, I was surprised, um, but it worked out. I mean, it it, it, it it seemed to be a good pairing. It, they seemed to f- they feel fine. Um, I know defensemen, you kind of get in a groove with a guy and there's certain people you like playing with and don't play and don't like playing with um, how you read each other on the ice and, and where you want the puck and neutral zone stuff and defensive stuff, how you communicate and where you want pucks being left for each other on when you got some heat coming down on you when you're getting forechecked, but I, I thought it was good. I thought, I thought they were really good. I thought this is a tough team to defend against with the, with the Vegas golden Knights there. It's, it's a really hard team. They play with a lot of speed. They stretch you out. So they, they make defensemen back up a lot, especially through the neutral zone. Um, but I thought they were good. I thought Kelvin was really good. I thought he's had a really good playoffs. Then, you know, I think we kind of forget that, you know, his season was done with shoulder surgery, blew his shoulder out for the second time. in what was it? Two years. I think the same shoulder, same injury twice in two years and he you know pops back and he gets a kind of a second chance headed here well the Hawks make the playoffs so um I, he's looked good I thought he's looked really good I thought he looked solid tonight tonight was probably one of his better games of the playoffs um for him I thought he's uh, I, I've been surprised I, again it's these guys you know he's another guy that you know, hasn't played hockey and he's probably been going on six or seven months jumps back in and um, jumps in there with Duncan you made a good point Carter I, I did I guess I didn't think about it as much during the game but it 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 does free Duncan up a little bit when you got a guy to to stay back with him you think about him and Seabrook for all those years playing against together both offensive guys but Dunks knew Seabrook was a rock back there and could sit back and 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 cover for him and maybe that's what you got a little bit with the with with the Han back there is that what you thought
0: well I think yeah I think it speaks a lot to just the versatility of Duncan Keith to not only be able to when you're playing with a guy like Adam Boquist who you know is a very offensive defenseman to be able to cover defensively to be able to play that kind of role but then also to be able to switch it up and when you are playing with someone who's maybe even more defensive than you are be able to jump up into the attack I mean he he can really do both sides of it depending on what the game needs and I I I think that speaks to just the type of player Duncan Keith is and, and the career he's been able to have uh I think we saw it tonight and Kind of compared to what we've seen in the last few years, just his his ability to do it all,
1: yeah, I think dunks likes playing with a guy like that too that he likes puck movers, he likes somebody that can get him the puck and he can throw the puck back to, but I think he also likes to he or I, well, I know he likes to be offensive, he likes to jump up in the play, he likes to have the puck, he likes to play offense and uh and get the puck to the forwards, but then jump in and play a little give and go game and and be involved offensively and um you know, with Seabrook for so long, that's why they were so good together is they could both play catch and they were both offensive and they could both jump in the play, but uh, he knew that he could, he could take more chances and take more risks because he had the rock and Seabrook back there with him. And I think uh, to me, it felt that way a little bit tonight where, uh, you know, he with, I like him with Boquist and I think they have fun playing together. And I think they will be a really good pair together. Um, but tonight it just felt like uh, he knew he had a, an older guy back there that could just kind of, uh, stay back and let me jump up a little bit. Let me have a little bit of fun and let me play offense. And cause we know we're going to have to score against this team. This it, it's the way it's going to be for right now with this Hawks team is they're not going to win one zero or two to one. They're going to have to score three, four goals a night to win. So Duncan knows that he knows I got to jump up. I got to create here a little bit. If we get out there with Kane's line, I got to jump up there with them and try and make an odd man rush or get a fourth forward in there. And I think that's what you saw a little more of tonight uh, from Duncan jumping up and, and he was able to get a little more freed up.
0: Well, speaking of the defense, a 3-3 game after 40 minutes and the third period, I think we really saw kind of just the offense that Vegas can possess. They let in shots 16-6. to They really controlled a lot of the third period, put a lot of chances on that. Corey Crawford stood on his head the entire third period. And the fact that the Blackhawks were able to get to overtime, kind of playing on their heels in the final frame, uh, we saw the defense really step up in that period to give them a chance to go out in overtime and win it. Uh, They, you know, back and forth opening few minutes of overtime. You have the, the long change in the fourth period of the game, you know, the unit that was out there kind of gets pinned in their own zone for a while with the four check that we've talked about that Vegas possesses. Uh, And then Riley Smith is able to kind of slot home his his third of the series already Uh, really just taking advantage of what I think was a, a pretty tired unit out there in overtime having been out there for uh, at least 90 seconds uh, in the lead up to that goal.
1: Yeah. It was uh, the defensive coverage got broken down a little bit. It it could have been because they were tired. Um, You know, you ended up, you ended up having to see Jonathan Taves was in front of the net and that kind of tells me a little bit. There was, you know, defensively, they were a little bit twisted up. You'd like to see a defenseman there in front. Um, or giving a little more support i guess and, and you know i just saw the replay once um, so i'm sure they can they could break it down a little better but yeah i think it was a tired unit i think it was a really nice pass from the corner um i don't know who that was who was that from vegas that threw that in, that threw that in front to riley smith but um it was it was a slick little pass uh riley was in that was in a good spot in front and um it was it was a little bit of confusion defensively coming out of the corner but um you know that's what vegas does so good is is they, they 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 give you one shift and they kind of pin you in there they get a line change and they bring that next line up. that's why we kind of talked about they play a deep four-line game and they just they they wear you down they wear you down they'll pin you in there for maybe two lines in a row we'll get they'll, they'll do a full rotation of guys and they still got the puck in the offensive zone and it's something they're really good at
0: it was paul stastny with the puck uh, coming right. out a of slick the corner. passer yep slick very pass. slick pass but uh we talked about it off the top of the show. You lose this one. You go down 2 nothing in the series. But really, I, I at least in my mind, and tell me if I'm wrong, I, I think a really positive step forward for this team. And look, playoffs aren't the time to be taking baby steps or um, try to take, I guess, moral victories out of this. But you have to take a victory out of this because you played a much more complete game in Game 2. You have a very uh, large hill to climb now trailing 2 nothing, But... I think there's some confidence in this group going into game three, knowing that they can play a game like they did tonight. Maybe aside from playing on their heels a little bit in the third period, there's a lot of confidence to maybe be gained from this. And uh, I think Patrick Kane said it. I mean, he feels like this group has performed well all season long or performed best all season long when their backs are against the wall. And, you know, if they can continue to take that next step in game three, it, it could be a very interesting finish to the series, one way or the other.
1: Yeah, you got to. I mean, well, you, you got to win Game Three. Uh, if you go down three zero, I don't think you got a chance. Um, so uh, they've played well, and uh, this series it's tough. This is a tough matchup. Um, going down two zero to the Knights is, is tough. Uh, I think they surprised everybody in Round One. Most of hockey was surprised. Most of hockey thought they didn't. They wouldn't have had a chance against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, and they and they did, and they hung in there. You win a game and you, you make this thing two to one and you, you squeeze one out. Um, you know, with, with when you have Kane and Taves, they can win you a game by themselves. So Kane put three points up tonight. He could overtime flip a coin to me, for me. Um, and he almost
0: had a goalie pulling off the post. Exactly.
1: So you, you flip a coin, drag, the, drag it on as long as you can, hang in there with them. Kane and Taves, maybe they can you know, have a special game. They can have two or three, four special games in a row and steal you a series. I've seen it. So uh, it, it's not done yet. And I think that, you know, Kaner, the way he played tonight. he's going to be feeling it. He's going to know, hey, I can carry this group in there. Taves is going to say, well, I, I'm going to come with ya. I wanna match ya. you. I want to match you. You've got three last night. I'm going three to get three tomorrow night kind of thing. And so I don't th- – you could say uh, we're defeated, and 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 we, we feel like we don't have a chance. I don't think they feel that right now. I still think they they feel like you know what we were in this thing tonight. We hit We were post away from winning this game, making it a one-one series. It's a lot different. So let's see what happens here, Game Three. I think you're going to see the the studs of the Blackhawks come out and really want to put a big time big time performance together.
0: Well, a very pivotal Game Three. I know I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. It's an interesting scenario this weekend—a back-to-back. You have a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening game, Sunday game, right away following it. I think every team is, has uh, at least one back-to-back scheduled in this first round. Just with the way the rink setup has to be, and, and scheduling all these games in on the same ice and in, in two different cities. Uh, but one thing we've seen from this Blackhawks team, and maybe one um, one thing that you can kind of feel positive about, is they're one of the best teams in the second game of a back-to-back all season long. Uh, maybe some of it's to do with the youth on this team, the fresh legs, just being able to kind of bounce back right away. But uh, I mean, you kind of have to feel a little better going into game four, at least uh, knowing that you have that kind of a fall back on um, that confidence, I guess, from the regular season and knowing that's kind of where you excel and, and kind of put it to other teams. I think uh, what was it? The, the Toronto Maple Leafs game in, in November was the second game of a back-to-back and I think one of the best uh, all-around offensive performances that the Blackhawks put together at least in the first half of the season there's there's a lot to kind of look forward to it's going to be a very interesting weekend but um definitely one where the Blackhawks like you said kind of have those guys who can take over a game and um we'll have to see what happens after these these games three and four it'll be it'll be interesting for sure
1: yeah let's see if a bottom six guy can chip in and Score one and then you know let's see if Kane and Taves can put a put a big one together and put two or three points up on the board each and you're gonna win a hockey game. But it'll be fun. This has been fun to watch. These playoffs have been awesome. Uh they got hockey on all day, all night. Um this has been a this has been a treat for hockey fans.
0: It's been a treat for hockey fans. As always, it's a treat chatting with you, Burr, uh talking about games three and four, a little scheduling note. Uh, just be with the turnaround. It's gonna be tough to turn around again. Podcast after Game Three and get it out in time for Game Don't Four. Don't make
1: excuses. now card. We're gonna. But yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, we, can't
0: <laughs> we can't do it. We can't do it. You know, there's a lot to do. Uh, all of we have to mentally prepare for Game Four. It's tough for yep. the players to turn around. It's. I think so it's, it's even tougher for the media people to turn around. <laughs> honestly. Like, no kidding. Um, but so we're going to be back after game four. We're not going to have a show after game three. Uh, we'll be back after game four previewing game five. I'm going to say we're going to be previewing game five because there's going to be a game five and, uh, we'll talk to you then. And we hope you have a great weekend and enjoy, uh, yet again, nonstop hockey, more overtime games, Burr, we've had overtime games every single night so far. And we're just going to keep plowing through these playoffs because it's great to watch and it's so much fun to just even be a part of
1: we yourself a nice big
0: glass of wine now, Carter. Yeah, we're getting near the bottom uh, of this one. one. We're need a yeah, <laughs> good
1: well, deal. Well, thanks. Cheers, buddy.
0: Cheers to you. We'll see you next time. That'll do it for today's episode of Blackhawks Insider for Adam Bursch. I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time presented by Chevy Drive Chicago Drive, what Kane and Taves drive.